Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to our guest uh, today. Uh, we're glad you could worship with us. Uh, I'm Anthony, lead pastor here, Tony, our pastor here, one of our pastors here, and we're uh, blessed uh, to be before you uh, this morning. And so uh, let's see how this goes. Amen. You know, uh, preparing for this has been an interesting journey. As always, we really have to work together. We got to get into the history and uh, all that deep stuff that we got to do. We got to work through the theology together and and uh, and how we gonna put that together. So, Amen. This Y'all is know about my theology, right? <laughs> <laughs> amen. I feel like a seminary professor when I'm. Whatever. <laughs> amen. So, uh, so we we begin this series today called Four. Uh, and so we're going to jump right into the text this morning. Uh, it's going to be in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Uh, I'll be reading the first uh, 13, 12 verses. And then Tony's going to read uh, 13 through 17. Amen. We're reading for the NIV version. And before we pray, before we read, we just offer God. Sacrifices of praise. Uh, we just thank God for uh, being in this space. Uh, we thank God for God's Holy mm-hmm. Spirit uh, that's present here. God, we just invoke uh, your name. We just thank you for all of who you are, God, that you fill this space, that you fill our lives. And God, we pray that this word would bless your people uh, today. And even those who are not present but may be on social media watching us live, God, we just thank you for uh, your presence and faithfulness today. Amen. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan. It's a lot of folk, y'all. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Jordan River. Oh, oh. Hello? Hello? Oh, okay. There we go. Amen. <laughs> and so, so people went out from him from Jerusalem, which was a major, in today's terminology, major metropolitan center in all Judea 
and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with the water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chafe with unquenchable fire. When Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and a lightning on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Amen. How do we face change? That's the question of the hour. How do we face change? So many things are changing around us. <laughs> so many things are changing around us. So today we kick off our series four, meaning four gospels, uh, with the gospel of Matthew, asking this fundamental question each year as a community. Some of you may, who've been here for a while, you know that we practice this. Uh, but every year we try to cycle through at least one gospel. Amen. And the reason being is that you can go to church your whole life and not know the teachings of Jesus. Amen. And not know the fundamental root stories of our own faith in Jesus. And so we cycle through the gospels as a community at least once a year. So uh, today, this series in March, we're checking off the box. Amen. So uh, this is a part of our rule of life as a church to cycle through the Gospels. And so these are central stories of Jesus. The Gospels for us have served as a kind of in tune note. You, anybody played in the band growing up? Amen. You ever went to a symphony or orchestra? Right? And so before they play, what's happening? They always got that one instrument there who's in tune. Right? And everybody else got to make sure they're always playing the one person that played the tune. That's, out of, that's flat, y'all. Right? And then everybody else, or you may have that one cello or that violence, they play that one note. And then everybody else and the rest of the band or the orchestra or the symphony, they, they adjust themselves to that in-tune note. That's the purpose of the Gospels. The Gospels are our in-tune note. And so if you out of whack, if you off the rails, you got to recycle those Gospels in your life. You got to get those red letters back in you. 
And so for, the next, for, this, next, for this month, we're going to be going through the Gospels, asking some very fundamental questions to human existence. Amen. This is how the Gospels work. The Gospels are more than just some scientific account of how Jesus existed and lived and died and raised from the dead. These stories are supposed to shape you. These stories are supposed to shake you. These stories are supposed to provoke you and, and shake you up a little bit to, to, make it, to make your current life a problem for you to continue to live. And so... Uh, they present the ancient stories of Jesus that become fundamental in how we orient our lives as individuals and as a community. For the next several weeks, we will be looking at key stories and episodes in each gospel, asking the big questions of life. Today, as we reflect on these scenes, on this particular scene in the Gospel of Matthew, we are asking the fundamental question, how do we face change? Change is a fundamental fact of existence. Everything changes. Your body changes. Your emotions change. Your habits change for good or bad. Uh, the seasons change. We are now in winter, are we not? Winter gives way for spring. Spring gives way to summer and summer uh, to fall. But in the first part of our story today, we encounter the gospel, we encounter John the Baptist baptizing folk. See, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were saying, make Israel great again. But John was like, uh, y'all ain't so great. And so John was calling people to a purification bath, to a baptism of repentance. And so the scene opens up with John telling Israel, it's time for y'all to change. And so he calls them out to the wilderness. And as he's preaching this, this message of change, this message of repentance, what begins to happen is people from all over the region sense that there needs to be a change, amen? Like in our country right now, people sense that there needs to be a change, not just culturally or individually, but also politically and economically. We are in a moment where people feel like the world needs to change. And so, how do we face uh, change. And so when we, uh, in this first part of this scene in Matthew, we see John confronting the Sadducees and the Pharisees who come to resist the change that John is calling for. You ever notice that? People get excited. Somebody has a message of change and it deeply resonates with people, right? Then it doesn't take long for them, them folk to show up and say, eh, I don't know about all that. And I'm not just talking about politically and culturally. I'm talking about in our individual lives. When we choose to begin to make change, somebody has invited us into some kind of spiritual or, or a personal change in our lives, it never fails. There's always that initial energy, right? But then you always got those voices that come and say, I don't know about all that. It don't take all that, bro. Right? We always have... A brood of vipers. That's what John called them. He said, y'all a bunch of brood of vipers. Y'all come in and trying to disturb what God is trying to do in the world. And so there's always forces that work in our souls. There's always voices that work in our souls and in the world around us that will try to draw us in, to tempt us away from the change that God is calling us to do. So the question is, 
what brood of vipers are in or have been in your life? When viper shows up after the spirit of God has already fell upon you, when you know that you are doing and being what God is calling you to be, and then all of a sudden something change. The vipers show up in your life. And he always want to challenge you with the promise that God has given you, with the call and the identity on your life. I remember a time in my life where I was at, me and God was good. How many of you have ever been good with God? You know, my reading was on point. My studying was on point. My praying. I could even fast. But then it's always that inner circle. You're going to have that one. And they will always challenge me with my gift from God. Because, see, it's something about being a seer. And some people don't, don't they challenge that. And I remember they would call and they would say, what color shirt did God tell you I was going to have on today? <laughs> yeah. Or they'll say, oh, did God say I was going to go to work tomorrow? You know, stuff like that. So they would mock the gift of God. Those are those, those uh, 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 vipers in your life. They want to challenge you with who you are. And they always show up right when you're in that season ready for that change. They always want to show up then. Where were you when I was already troubled? But every time you're getting ready to do the will of God and you say yes to him and then you get to that place, then that's when they want to show up. And then they want to question what God is in your life and who are you to God and are you sure that God called you? And they bring up, I remember when, in your life. And that causes you, causing me, to question my own identity. Well, God, maybe, maybe they got some say. Maybe they seeing something that I'm not seeing. Maybe they heard something that I heard. Because we ain't talking about people. We're talking about the Sadducees, right? We're talking about those that know and, and have been called by God, the ones that you want, should be praying with and studying with and speaking life unto you. But at the same time, they're trying to tear you down. It's hard to walk this life out. And I questioned who I was. And I even questioned who God was in my life. When all along, I should have been questioning the connection. But it calls you to have those conversations with yourself. Am I worthy? Am I enough? Am I even equipped to do this? God, did you really call me? Was that really you that I felt? Was that you that woke me up in the middle of the night? Was that really you so when they show up in our lives in our lives we need to learn what voice is God who are we listening to who are we questioning amen so Tony's t told her viper story and so it's important what we're asking now what we're saying what we're talking about now is it's important that you learn to silence the vipers. Mm. Amen. You got to silence the vipers. And I remember in my own personal story of change, a personal story of change. I remember coming out of uh, going through separation and divorce in my first marriage. And I remember just beginning to question everything about who I thought God uh, was in my life, my own story. Because up to that point, I had begun to believe about certain things about my life. And so I remember just going through so much heartache and so much pain 
And to the point where I began to hear those voices, right? You those voices of, well, maybe you ain't who you thought you was. Maybe you should be somebody else. Maybe you just settle for this. And so I remember just finding ways to not, uh, not learning how understanding the change that was happening in my life because my life up to that point was a certain way. And so when the heartbreak happened, when the betrayal happened, I did not know how to navigate through that initially. And so I would do things like uh, sometimes when we face change, because we're asking the fundamental question, how do we face change? And so when there were nights when I would have to drink myself to sleep, I would get a six-pack every night just to go to sleep because I didn't know how to deal with the change that was happening. Now, this is years before Tony, y'all, so y'all start doing the the chronology now, right? Amen. Everybody's like, oh, when was that? Like, is he still? Like, no, I'm good now. Way back then. Amen. I just played PlayStation 4 to go to sleep. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so my Viper story is it wasn't so much as people external to me. There were people and there were voices. There were Sadducees and Pharisees in my own soul. They were telling me, God, you should just settle for this. This is all your life is going to be from here on out. You ain't got to change. You ain't got to do anything different. Man, have another brew. And that's a part of my story. And so as we transition, as, as we begin to look at and meditate on that portion of the text, when John is confronted by the Sadducees and Pharisees, we enter into another change in the story. And so we transition into uh, the part of the story when Jesus enters into the story for us today. Like Tony read, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Amen. I'm still thinking about something you said. Go ahead. Uh, what you think? That, I'll talk to you later. But... You already knew about that part. Yeah, with something else. Oh. Notice in the text that change is taking place. <laughs> Notice there are change uh, where Jesus go from Galilee to the Jordan, where there's a physical change of location. And then there's an inner, a spiritual change in the baptism. In the text, we see that Jesus become the chief example of change. Jesus is also the example of our own journey of change. You can change and not be transformed. Transformation means to be changed from the inside out. You can go from Galilee to Jordan and not experience change. We can change our jobs. We can change our clothes. We can change our social media. We can change cars and we can change houses and never go down to Jordan. Jordan, Meaning we can go through all these changes and never be baptized. See, we can go from our Galilee to our Jordan and not go down into the Jordan. To be baptized into the Jordan is to undergo a transformation, the death of the old and the rising of the new. Amen. This is what uh, the kind of baptism that John is given. Oftentimes Christians think that this is a traditional Christian baptism, right? But no, what John is performing is a particular kind of bath that Jews would do a bath of purification. 
uh, it was like a, a, a point when somebody decided to make a commitment and become more intentional in following the Torah, right, to purify themselves, right? I'm, I'm more committed to do this thing. I'm more committed to do this. What, what they would do is go through a ritual cleansing. Say, I'm, I'm actually going to become more committed to this path of the way of the Torah, the way of Moses. And so John was offering this baptism for the Israelites to say that we as a people, as a nation, we are committing ourselves to remember the laws of Moses. We are committing ourselves to do justice and walk humbly, to do justice for the orphan, the stranger, the widow, and the poor. And so this bath. This baptism was that, y'all. Did y'all know this, right? Some of y'all probably thought it was just a Christian baptism. No, this is a different kind of baptism John is doing here. This is the baptism of repentance that John is doing. So you see the crowd around Jesus and John? The crowd around them would have understood the point of John's baptism into the Jordan. You see, in the ancient, uh, to get into a text a little bit, see the ancient Israelites had to pass through the wilderness, through the Jordan to get into the promised land. Y'all remember this? When they left Egypt, they had to cross the Red Sea, get into some skirmishes and wars, and then they had to cross the Jordan, right? After they crossed the, after they crossed the uh, Red Sea, going into the wilderness for 40 years, then crossed the Jordan into the promised land. So here it is, centuries later, the people of Israel tripping. And so John is basically saying, y'all acting like the Egyptians, y'all acting like heathens, y'all acting like people who are committing idolatry. You need to leave the promised land because you ain't supposed to be there. I need to do a reverse. So John does a reversal of the actual story. He tells them to leave Jerusalem and Judea to cross back over into the Jordan to go back. It's almost like this. You ever failed the test? You had to go back and do it again. That's what John is saying. Y'all ain't being Israel. I need you to come back and do this one more again. <laughs> Amen. And so, see, the crowd thought they, they understood that. So John was basically saying, y'all got to do, y'all got to redo this. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Y'all got to redo entering into the promised land. Mm -mm. Jesus is teaching us how to face change here. And so, so, so you want to talk about that a little bit? Man, yeah. Look, <laughs> high five. That was good. Because as he was talking, and I think we, we hit on this. That we think when we get to the promised land, we good. Like, you just skip the rest of the way, right? But when he take you from the promised land back to the wilderness for change, that's when it gets uncomfortable. But he went back to the Jordan to be baptized, so we went back to it. And even in our long lives, we don't understand that. That's hard to, because to us it doesn't make sense, but it's for our good. Because God says, what you entered in, when you entered into this promised land, you had everything that you needed to get there. But now change is about to come. So we got to go back into another baptism again to be cleansed again from all of the other stuff. 
for the change that is going to take place. And I like when you was talking about the Sadducees and the, and the Pharisees because when we talked about that transformation, we can go, like he said, we can go to church all our lives but never be transformed. And so many times when we get into church, we sit among the Sadducees and the Pharisees, which they are good. Nothing changed in their life. If you ask them something every day, they quote the same scriptures, they sing their favorite song, new songs come out every day. It's more than one scripture in there. But that one scripture leads them to whatever they need. But when Jesus show up, they can't recognize change, so they talk about. They talk about what is not familiar to them. Instead of saying, God, is that you? Because they good. They're going to always be good. But when you show up, and when God is trying to take you back into another baptism and work things out in your life, you're going to have those same people that you kick it with once and where everything was good. Now they're questioning because they cannot adapt to the change that God has in your life. And it causes us to question who we are. So when he was talking about that, just because a person Love the Lord and go to church. That don't mean that they have been transformed. Amen. That they have been transformed. I'm looking for transformation in my life today. Amen. Amen. I'm looking for transformation. God, transform me. If I got to go back as long as I know you with me, Lord, every step of the way, Amen. take me down one more time. Amen. Take me down one more time. Amen. Amen. And so the other thing, too, is that, you know, the Sadducees and Pharisees are not always other people, right? Well, yeah. The Sadducees and Pharisees can be us, Amen. right? And so that's why it's so important when you're reading the Gospels. This is why the Gospels are so powerful. These are powerful stories because one of the things I tell people in their spiritual practice is when you're reading the Gospels, see yourself in the different characters in a scene of a Gospel, right? Imagine yourself being the Sadducees and Pharisees wow. and saying, I'm resisting this change. Yes. Amen. So some of y'all, so, so so John and Jesus could represent the invitation to you, right? Because sometimes we want to quickly, like a lot of people in our culture, they want to quickly put themselves in a the role of Jesus mm -hmm. or the good guy or the good gal. Amen. But suppose we're the Pharisees and Sadducees, oh. the ones who are receiving the invitation to mm -hmm. repentance but refuse to change. And so we got to go down into the Jordan. Here's the thing about Jordan and baptism, y'all. The word baptism, y'all know what the word baptism literally means? Anybody want to guess? Nobody wants to guess. Okay, all right. So the word baptism literally means to drown. <laughs> to drown you, to completely immerse you. Amen. And so the word Jordan literally means to go down. And so baptism was seen as a kind of death, a kind of ending of a certain thing. And so when you're baptized, you're saying that this is the end of a certain part of the trajectory of my life and it's going in a different direction. Mm -hmm. This is what repentance is. Repentance is not just you feeling sorry for about all the bad stuff you did, coming down to the altar, blowing snot and crying and all that. Repentance is not about you feeling bad about all the stuff you did. Repentance means that you've chose to make a course correction. Yes. 
It literally means, we've talked about this before in Bible Lab and other places, the word repentance comes from the Greek word metanoia, amen, where we get the word metamorphosis. It comes from two words, meta, which means change, and noia, which means mind. It means to have a change of mind. Let me even get deeper with you. Uh, and so meta also means what? It means a beyond. <laughs> right? It means a beyond. And so, check this out. So repentance, John is saying, I need you to have a beyond mind. Amen. <laughs> Let me say it another way. What John was saying, I need you to have a mind that's beyond the kind of mind that you got right now. Y'all didn't catch that. Mm -hmm. I need you to have a mind now that's beyond the mind that you have now. <laughs> I need you to have a sense of purpose now that you don't have right now. Amen. I need you to have the mind of God. I need you to have the mind of Christ now. I need you to have the mind that God intends for you to replace the mind that you have now. The mind that's more informed by the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the vipers in your life. The ones that's more informed by the lies that you continually tell yourself about yourself and not what God has said about yourself. Amen. So Amen. John is saying you need to repent Amen. and change your mind. And so Jesus is teaching us, right? And so what happens next, y'all? What happens next is Jesus gets into, uh, he meets John. And what happens? What happens with that, babe? John says to Jesus, she's looking at me like, what? <laughs> like a deer caught in the headlights. You off script. You off script. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I ain't. Well, I'm still setting you up. I'm still setting you up. John tells Jesus Ask him if he come to baptize him. Right. That, yeah. Because Jesus heard about it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. Uh, okay. And so Jesus asked about it. He said, hey, man, yo, I need, I need to get into that baptism thing. And John's like, yo, <laughs> I, I need know to who be you baptized are. by you when you come to me. Right. He says, I know who you are. Mm -hmm. I need to be baptized by you, Jesus, because you're the one who's the agent of change. Right. I need to be baptized by you, Jesus. And so Jesus is teaching us how to face change, mm. right? And so what happens? He says, what? Oh, where are you at? Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Right. And so that, that passage always confused me. I never understood why Jesus was saying that this had to fulfill righteousness, mm. right? And I was like, why Jesus got to be baptized, Amen. And so, and so John recognized that, did he not? John was like, yo, I'm encountered the Messiah. I, I'm encountered the agent of change. I'm encountered the, the hero, the savior, the soldier, the liberator. He's right in front of me. How do I look like baptizing this brother? And Jesus is like, we got to do this to fulfill righteousness. And so in this moment, what's happening, brothers and sisters, the writer of Matthew is inviting you to understand that Jesus becomes the chief example of what transformation looks like. And so it was like this. It was like this, y'all. Let me just break it down for those who are confused right now. It's like this. And so John says, yo, I can't baptize you, Jesus. You're the Messiah. And, John, and Jesus is like, no. Like Montel Jordan, this is how we do it.
That's what Jesus is doing right now. He's saying, we got to do this, John, to show them what transformation looks like. This is how we do it. That's what John is. This is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is giving an example of what it looks like. Jesus is making a public statement that says to us, we must be intentional on this journey of transformation to face change. We might need to come up with a simple practice of ritual to demonstrate our decision to begin this new season. This is how we do it. His last name was Montel Jordan. And Jesus and John had the Jordan. And they're saying, this is how we do it. So, Tony, what you got to say? So, the final moment. I forgot to set her up, y'all. Yeah. So, so in the final movement of our scene, Jesus experiences a deep affirmation from God. God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We all need affirmation, yeah. especially when we are facing changes. When God affirms us. Being affirmed by God is so refreshing. It's strengthening. When God affirms us, it empowers us. He builds us up where we've been brought down. He reminds us of our name. He brings back to us our call and our purpose. He personally comforts us. He uses our brothers and our sisters in Christ to bring confirmation, to remind us of who and whose we are. How do you face change? <laughs> By understanding and being reminded of your name. How do we face change? By being reminded of the things that God has already called us to. How do we face change? When God interrupts something in our lives and we know that it's God. When we became strong, when we've been weak, when we become empowered, when we know without a shadow of a doubt that God has called me and sent me for a time such as this. This is God's way of saying, change ain't easy, but through it all, remember your name. Amen. And so this, this point was hit home to me this week. I was, I was reflecting on this powerful affirmation that God gives Jesus when he comes out the baptism of waters. And how we face change is we got to see and hear affirmations. Amen. Jesus is being affirmed. As an example of somebody, he's showing us. This is, like I said, this is how we do it. This is how we face change. You must be affirmed as you're going through it. And this power, this 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 point uh, was hit hard, hit hit home to me uh, this week. Uh, I saw two things. Well, two things. One, I saw this powerful affirmation uh, that Ash had uh, put on social media uh, this week. Right, just the power of affirmation. Right. Going through the day, you realize you come to a certain point in the day uh, where it may be a little rough, it may be a little challenging. You got to remember powerful affirmations that remind you of who you are. And so I was also thinking about my brother, Alex Clark, who we're we're doing a homegrown service for him today at Salisbury High, community leader, activist, uh, just an all-around powerful brother. And um, God bless his soul as he rests in peace in the presence of the Almighty. And so as we 
where uh, I was thinking about this brother. This brother always has some powerful affirmations uh, that he would give people. Uh, he would post it on social media. If you knew him personally, he will always affirm the power and strength of who you are. Amen. And so what we learn is uh, in this part of the whole piece is that when we face change, we must remember those powerful moments of affirmation. If you think about your own spiritual journey, there are certain points. At some point, God spoke an affirmation, a word of affirmation over your life. God, at some point in your life, sang over your life to remind you of who you were. At some point, God spoke to, through somebody else to remind you of who you are, to affirm who you are. We must also remember that we are in the beloved, that God loves us. We got to hold tight to our affirmations. They remind us that we are not alone, that we are loved. Because here's the challenge, brothers and sisters. Sometimes when we're facing change in our lives, we forget who we are. Jesus is saying, don't forget who you are. Notice what God does. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Not only does God affirm, he says, son, I love you. But you also my son, which speaks to purpose. Jesus' purpose was to be the son of God on earth to destroy the works of the enemy, to bring love, the love of God, into this world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, right? John chapter 3. And so when God affirms, you got to remember those moments of affirmations. You got to remember in your catalog, in your archives, you may have to pull out some deep ancient stuff. Sometimes, y'all, I got to pull out stuff from the 90s when I first became a Christian. I got to go way back. That moment when God sung over my life, in a moment when I needed it. So how do you face change? You got to remember your affirmation. You got to set aside your spiritual amnesia and remember all that God has done and is doing and has done in your life. And so here we are at the close. And so we are reminded that we must be prepared to leave what was given before. Because the old season of received promises will make us complacent and comfortable and incapable of interchange. As, they all, as the old saints say, you're going off the old manner. Right? And so how do we face change? We got to look to Jesus. As the writer says, the author and finisher of our face, of our faith. One of the tra most tragic places, and we're about to pray if anybody desires prayer. Um, you want to pray? What you want to do? And so, she's looking at me like, oh, what? <laughs> uh, so, but I, I just want to finish by saying this. One of the most tragic places to be is to be in a place where you think you do not need to change. And you need to change. <laughs> Amen. That's one of the things I, I pray for myself and people that I love and people that I know. I pray that we never become a people who need to change, and we don't think we need to change. 
Because the thing is, as a Greek philosopher says, life is always in flux, right? And so we're always in this movement and always in this current, in this flow of God. And so we are always in this, this unending journey uh, of life and transformation in the presence of God. And so change is always the possibility. If you ever get to the place, if you ever get to the place where you think you don't need to change, you think you're good, you might need to do a spiritual diagnostic. You might need to go back to those Gospels. And I'm about to say something that may get some of y'all in trouble. You know, another way you may know that you may need to change? Those closest to you. Those who have been the most faithful, those who have sacrificed, those who have invested in your life. Ask them how I'm doing. Some of y'all are like, I ain't doing that. <laughs> right? This faith is a communal faith. Ask those closer to you, how am I doing? Now, here's the thing. This is when you know you're in trouble, when they're afraid to tell you. I thank God I got people in my life that don't care how I feel when they tell me about myself. Right? <laughs> Amen? I mean, people that I love and know. I ain't talking about Sadducees and Pharisees and vipers, right? And so we got to be in a posture of it. So, what, so people say, Pastor, what, what, okay, that's great. But here's the thing. When that happens, you got to listen. It's part of that spiritual discipline is to receive the input from those closest to us, our accountability partners, our close friends in covenant, to listen to what they say. And there's going to be something that's going to rise up in you to try to resist what they're saying to you. And you want to say, nah, 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 but resist that. Take it. Listen to it. And it, you may you think it's not right, but just sit with it. And it's not saying that you agree with it, but at least sit with it. Because these are people that have demonstrated the love of God towards you over time. Those are the people I'm talking about. I ain't talking about some random co-worker at work. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just want to challenge you with that this week. And so as we uh, begin to end this, uh, we want to invite those who are in a season of change, who desire prayer, who may be in a crisis, who may be in a moment of change. It might be a change of relationship status. It might be a change of financial situation. It may be uh, 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 some kind of change uh, where the world ain't the same anymore for you. If that's you, uh, please come up. We want to pray uh, with you and for you. Maybe your change is that he's taking you to the wilderness for transformation. Amen.